Welcome back to the CPA Success Podcast. I'm Jen Nicholson. And I'm Blair Cook. And today we have with us Celso Mello, who is the Chief Information Officer at Reliance Home Comfort. Celso has 30 years of IT experience, 14 as a CIO. Through his career, Celso has worked for medium-sized companies and global conglomerates. His experience includes various industries, including telecommunications, ERP software developers, manufacturing, and field services. Originally from Brazil, Celso has also worked in Europe and in the U.S. Celso has a technical degree in computer science, a BSc in mathematics, and an MBA with a concentration in international business and advanced business certificate in information technology. In this episode, I'm going to talk to Celso about implementing a new ERP system, the challenges and pitfalls, and how to make your implementation a success. Let's get started. Welcome back to the CPA Success Podcast. I'm very excited to be here today with Celso Mello, who is an expert in all things ERP. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much. Very kind of you. I wouldn't say I'm an expert. I think it's hardly uh, anybody can call themselves a, an expert. There's so much to be uh, to be done and to know about ERP implementations that uh, I think you can spend a lifetime learning about it, and uh, and we'll still be learning. I think that's what uh, makes it uh, so special. And uh, that's that's interesting. You you call it special. Certainly, ERP implementations have a, a bad reputation. There are a lot of stories about things that just don't go well. They way over budget, um, way longer timeline for implementation than expected, and often a lot of fallout, people losing their jobs and, and things just generally not going well. Is this a, something that you've seen over your career with ERP? Yes. I've read studies that claim that upwards of 30% of implement, ERP implementations uh, fail, like in the definition of the wow. failure as well. The ones that do go well, they go well over budget or over time, and so it's a, there's a lot there in terms of uh, what the definition of failure. I think it's uh, it's elastic, so to speak. In my own experience, so I've I've participated in six of, of these uh, ERP implementations end to end. Those are long, almost a year, two years long implementations of a large part of, part of my career. And out of the six, uh, three went very well, I guess, for the most part. Two were complete failure, right off, wow. and one of them we were able to recover. So I guess based on my own experience, if you apply the percentages there, about half and half, you know, in terms of a full successful failures. And of course, we learn more from the failures than we do from the successes. Right? Absolutely, like we always do. I would say participating in six implementations does make you an expert. I don't think a lot <laughs> of people would have that much experience. So let's take a step back and talk about what is ERP? We hear about it like so many other buzzwords. What does ERP actually stand for? What does it mean? It stands for Enterprise Resource Planning. It uh, derived from MRP in the 80s, right? So MRP is Manufacturing Resource Planning. And that's where uh, people or companies were developing software to facilitate the entire supply chain of manufacturing from defining the bill of material of a particular uh, product, that, like a widget that was being manufactured, all of the components that it needed, and then integrating it back to the supply chain as well as all the production process into distribution and so on. So one uh, a big database, so to speak, that contained all of that information in an integrated way. So uh, it's like I said, started at manufacturing, but then it evolved into the entire enterprise in that it now includes accounting and accounts payable and, uh, and the whole distribution chain, HR uh, very often, service, which is a part that's very, uh, very commonly used because as you in integrate manufacturing 
with service of the equipment you manufacture is important too. So think of everything that the enterprise does. You would have one system that does everything in one shot. That sounds incredibly beneficial to an organization, but really hard, really complicated to be able to integrate all of those different systems in one. And do most companies actually go that broad or does it start with your accounting system and go from there or how do you, you tend to see it work? Exactly. And that's the benefit, but it's also the uh, the challenge, right? So the benefit of ERP is all in one. It's fully integrated. So a customer record is the same, whether you're talking billing or service or marketing. That's the benefit of it all. But in order for you to take the benefit, you need to replace everything you have with that one big monolithic system for it to work well. And that's a daunting challenge, right? So few companies are able to do that successfully. And I think there lies the... Uh, the reason for many, many failures is uh, the scope is sometimes too large and uh, every company is a little bit different. So when you think of a one-size-fits-all approach, it's something that is, is uh, very complicated to think. Right, so uh, it's not really a one-size-fits-all. It's not, right? And, and, and over time, so, uh, so Gartner coins this term postmodern ERP, which essentially is a way to combine different best-in-class solutions into one big integrated or semi-integrated solution that suits companies' needs a little better. So, uh, so it's evol- the concept is evolving. It's still very much valid. I, uh, a very well-renowned thinker in this in the world of uh, re-engineering. His name is Michael Hammer. He talked about you know how important it is for the frontline employee of every company to have full information about everything that goes on so that they can best serve that customer. And this can, can only be achieved with ERP. And, and my, I, I had the pleasure of seeing Michael Hammer uh, speak once, and he said, integration trumps functionality. What he meant by that is, to have a fully integrated system, you should be prepared to give up on little things that you do that are unique to your company, because in the end, you're going to benefit from integration. So I guess I, I deviated from your question a little bit. Uh, so you talked about how hard it is, how the integrated systems uh, are uh, a lot to take in one shot, and, and that's so true. That is, I guess, softening a little bit. But I don't want for that to be, at least in my opinion, for that to be a compromise in the benefit that it brings, which is this fully integrated uh, aspect of uh, having all of your data, all of your processes serviced by one single system. Wow. So we'll talk a little bit more um, in a bit about some of the the things that can go wrong in the process, but uh, starting from what are really the steps? If a company decides they want to implement a new system, how are they going to do this? Where do they start? And, and that in and of itself is a loaded question, right? Because uh, depending on uh, what the scope is, meaning is it going to be a geographical implementation for one division of the company or is it going to be across the board? All those things have to be defined. I think that's the answer. So number there. one is define the scope. Define the scope. Or I would take it even a step back. Define the problem. What is it Why that you're you trying to solve? Yes. You're not doing it for the sake of doing it, right? It's, uh, if, if you have problems with your, uh, say, uh, inventory uh, and you want to reduce uh, days on hand, that's a, a, a very clear problem that you're trying to solve. Maybe ERP is not the solution for that, or maybe it is. But having that problem well-defined and very clear, I think will allow you to charter your steps uh, in, a, in a most productive way. If that includes an ERP implementation, great. There's other steps to be taken. But if not, make sure that whatever uh, you're doing is connected back to the problem that you're trying to solve. Okay, great. So we start with our problem. And once we decide that, yes, we think an ERP is the way to go, we need to figure out the scope. Mm-hmm. 
so scope based on geography can you can you do a, a sort of a baby step approach where you start with one functionality such as the accounting system and then add on or do you think it's better to just go all in hmm. you know with the word enterprise and ERP would suggest everything I've seen both uh, done successfully and and both done and and, and fail so um, so let me talk about um, the pros and cons a little bit. So if you take too much, you the benefits of doing that is you minimize the number of integration points. You minimize the number of what you're going to keep out of your old systems that need to be integrated back with the new system coming in or a pieces of the new system coming in that need to work backwards with that. Right, because That's, things may not all be... Uh, Compatible, precisely. Your systems exactly, and require a lot of work in terms of uh, redoing uh, all of those lines that link those systems together. So that therein lies a lot of risk. Those redoing those interfaces is a lot of risk. However, it mitigates the risk in terms of uh, disruption to the business. So if you start, I guess, as you suggested, from say a financial implementation, you're doing uh, your general ledger, your accounts payable, accounts receivable. It's a somewhat well controlled. You know, you have a finite number of users. You have to retrain. It's still a lot of complexity, but you have the scope well defined. You have the users well defined. The change management can be done in a in a uh, effective way. So you mitigate that risk, but you're giving yourself risk with all of the integration points you have to bring in. Another approach, which I've used uh, somewhat successfully before, is you do big bang, but in small locations at a time. Okay. So my last implementation, for example, 25 branches out of a company in North America. We did the entire scope, but one branch at a time. Okay. So we changed the lives of the people in that one branch, like for a little bit, right? But the entire business was not at risk. If And, and sure enough, we had problems with the first branch and the second branch. By the time we hit branch number 10, we knew what we were doing and uh, things were, we, we had seen all the problems that we could have experienced and addressed them. So it was just a matter of uh, rinse and repeat. So. It still doesn't fully mitigate the problem with uh, the, the integration because you still have to do it. You're going to live with two systems for a while. So if you have centralized functions, such as finance again, uh, they're going to have to deal with uh, closing the books on one system for one branch and another system for all the other branches. And that sort of uh, scales down at some point until it's fully replaced. So you still have that problem, but it mitigates it somehow. So I guess to answer your question, there's no silver bullet. You're going to take risk no matter which way you go. Um, I guess it's a bit of analyzing what your company situation is and deciding what's best there. And who should be responsible for making those decisions? Hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's easy to talk about the scope and one way works better than others, but you're impacting so many people and so many divisions and you're considering so many different aspects of the business. How, how do you decide what's the right way to go? I think it's a it's an executive decision. It's uh, it's something that needs to be discussed at the executive table, as if it were M and A uh, activity. You're right. buying a new company, and you're deciding: Are we going to integrate this new company? Are we going to leave them alone? Uh, are we going to send our own management team there? Those are key executive decisions that have to do with the future of that integration. And I'm I'm drawing a parallel here only because I think ERP decisions are not IT decisions in any in any regard. They're, they're really truly business decisions at the core of it, and as such, need to be decided and, and analyzed by the people that run the business. That is a great point. I think possibly that's where things go wrong, and you, you can certainly um, correct me if I'm wrong on that, but from, with your experience, but people think of it as an IT decision, and that's not true. It, exactly, and, and I'm a career IT person. So I started my career in IT, I'm currently a CIO, and have been a CIO for 14 years, so that's what I do. 
And yet, I still advocate uh, the fact that IT has a, a seat at the table but shouldn't be the driver on uh, European implementations. We have a lot of knowledge in terms of uh, the integrations that we talked about. Um, and we even can say uh, the good IT departments know enough about the business that they can influence and, and do things uh, 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 well in that regard. But left uh, to their own devices, the IT people will have problems with adoption, will have problems with um, understanding the nuances of uh, why we do business the way we do. And, uh, and usually they don't have the clout to uh, make the, the necessary changes that a company needs. And when I'm saying changes here in, in the context of change management, organizational changes, and, and uh, moving people around, sometimes uh, changing the way departments are structured, all of which are necess necessary occasionally uh, in an ERP implementation. So these absolutely need to be driven by someone um, really high and with a lot of respect in, your, in the executive table. Wow, so, so we start with the problem, we define the scope, and then we have to have the executive buy-in. Once you have the directive from the top that this is what you're going to go ahead with, how, what's the next step after that? Well, so executive buy-in, you have the def definition of the problem, now you have to select a piece of software that does what you need. Uh, and there, uh, there's a lot of work there too. So um, uh, again, there's a balance here, right? So you can find the best in class piece of software or collection of software that would uh, the best, say the best uh, supply chain software, the best accounting package, the best uh, manufacturing package. And then you're gonna have a lot of trouble making it all work together. So it defeats the purpose of ERP to begin with. Or you can go the other way and say, no, we're just going to define one and find the one that suits us best and then go from there. Now, that, that decision is the right one from a architecture perspective as far as reducing the risk of cost and delays uh, related to the uh, integration. But on the other hand, you might give, be, be giving up a lot of what makes you competitive advantage, uh, uh, gives you the competitive advantage uh, against your competitors in that um, uh, sometimes the way you do things are not supported by the system. So to boil it down, my opinion is this. Um, I think you should find three or four different pieces of software that are fully integrated and can get to, say, 80% of your requirements. But then your second level of decision-making in terms of which one do I go with has to do with availability of uh, resources in the market that know this well because you're going to need to customize that 20%. So you need resources that can come and help you with that. If uh, there's only three people in the world that know that, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to be competing with other, other customers for those three people, right? Right. Number two, you need to have an architecture that is geared towards that customization is a, is a bad word, but uh, call it adjustment to what you need. So, uh, so not only do you need resources, but you need architecture. You need something that is easy to change, right? So think of it uh, as if it were uh, like a Lego a toy. And uh, in and of itself, Lego can do a ton of things. And you can find people that can do a lot of things with Legos. But its architecture is such that you can combine pieces to make it work the way you want. So uh, That's so, a great analogy. So I think those two things are, are really important. And I would go one step forward and say, let go of some of your requirements. Don't disqualify pieces of software because it doesn't meet 100% or even 80% of your requirements. Consider the fact that your requirements are a point in time. This is what you know of your company today. It's not what you're going to be in two years when this thing is done. And it's definitely not what you're going to be in 10 years when this, the system is still going to be in your company. So 
being really strict with uh, meeting your requirements is perhaps a mistake in that you might be disqualifying pieces of software that have a lot of availability of resources in the market, have the architecture for change, but are being disqualified only because it doesn't meet, uh, you know, say a few of your important requirements. They're important nevertheless and you need to f figure out a way to address them but I don't think they should be a point of disqualification for certain vendors. And I can see that must be challenging because uh, who's who gets the 100%, you know, if you're in manufacturing, and who gets the 75% in the accounting group, and who, you know, who wins? That must be a big challenge where, where the executive buy-in and support is essential. Right on, and, and that goes back to our previous conversation, your previous question in terms of uh, who runs this. So perhaps that person who runs it is going to have the, the trump card, right? And, exactly, uh, to have to make those tough decisions. And, uh, and, and that's the reality, and that's going to happen uh, no matter what. So, uh, and, and hence, I think the need of uh, having someone with a technical understanding and a lot of ERP experience that can bring these things to the table in a way that can be explained rationally and pragmatically. Sometimes this is best done by an external third party that doesn't have the... I guess the political uh, uh, entanglement. Exactly, and, and the uh, emotional connection to certain exactly. software or, or exactly. processes. Exactly, so perhaps uh, whoever the sponsor is, or even if the sponsor is say not the CIO, as it shouldn't be, but if the CIO sees risk there in terms of not going down the right road in terms of software selection because of architecture and so on and so forth, perhaps he or she should be considering bringing an external, or suggesting that an external ERP expert could be brought in to help with that uh, that uh, view and that selection process, and I think that can that can be of help. Absolutely. In my experience, I was uh, worked with a company where I was a CFO, and we put in a new system, and we actually did hire a big four accounting firm to help us make that decision because it's very difficult to to know what is out there because of course a vendor is going to tell you that their system does everything that you need for the best price and it's the right thing for you and it's hard to really sift through that unless you are an expert. Yes, and I would uh, I would add on to, to your, your comment there about the vendor telling you it can do everything you need. This is so true, unfortunately, in this market. It really is. And, it's so uh, competitive and com yes. people will, will tell you what they need to to get the business. And, and the people at the table watching those demos are usually, uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, uh, impressed by exactly. little bells and whistles yes and uh, and tend to uh, make their decision based on that and that's so uh, so wrong it, uh, it it'll pay the price later on right so so it's important to have a, a uh, unbiased person at a table to that can alert you know, watch out because uh, you know some of the things that you're seeing here are promises they're not really there exactly. or they're just bells and whistles there's nothing behind it or you have to pay extra for them or exactly. Yeah, so once once you've defined the scope and it's time to pick the vendor, you really need to have either internal expertise that's unbiased or look at hiring a consultant to help you with that. That's right. Yeah. That consultant can not only help with the selection, it uh, and, and in fact I would fully recommend that that consultant remains engaged throughout the implementation, either as a coach to uh, help your leadership watch out for pitfalls and uh, get methodology right and all of the right things that you need to do, or to run the project altogether. Although, if that's the choice, he or she needs to be backed up by really a strong sponsor that is going to shore up uh, all of the, the clout, I think, that uh, that person needs to make this happen. Yeah, okay. So then when we look at the implementation process, how long does that usually take? 
Well, it all depends on the scope and the size of the company and uh, you know the rollout uh, uh, process. But I, I think any anywhere from six months to two, three, four years. It, right, it could go as long as that. Wow, four time. years. Four years does not sound like that's the best case scenario. You won't really want to have it going on for four years. But what in an optimal situation, you were probably looking at six months, six to eighteen months. Would you suggest? Yeah, I think that sounds uh, like a good average. A good. Uh, you can, you can do things, in fact, you should try to narrow the scope down as much as you can to, to get quick wins along the way. That builds credibility and, and momentum uh, with the team so that they can keep going, right? So it probably makes sense, even though the implementation is going to be 18 months, 12, 24 months long, you do things every six months. You have releases every six months. This will keep things going, and for, for you to be able to do that, you need to narrow the scope down and, and, and make sure that the scope is, is properly uh, right-sized. I think that's a great point, too, about having wins, uh, which help your credibility, because certainly when a project is not going well and that reputation gets out around the company, it's just going to make it harder and harder to get to the finish line. That's right. What, what I've seen that uh, tends to make duration go longer is you spend a lot of time in the beginning discussing, here's what we do today, and here's what we want to do in the future. So the as is, the famous as is and to be. I see the importance of that. It's important, very important for us, for everyone going through that, to understand you know, who we are, who they are, and what it is that they want to do. But uh, the fact is, the software coming in already has a lot of that to be built in. So perhaps a better approach is to do a fit gap analysis. So you bring in the software, you learn it, and you look at what it is that is in front of you, and now you find out what the gaps are. So it's, it's like putting this upside down instead of spending a lot of time creating a document, this is the as-is business process, this is the to-be business process, and now let's learn what the software contains. Start from the end, so to speak, and uh, look at the software first, see what it has that is like a check mark and it does what it is that we need, and what is missing or with what it doesn't do exactly the way you need, and that becomes your scope. Okay, that's great. So you start with an off-the-shelf, let's say, quote-unquote, mm -hmm. software, and you're looking for something that's going to get you as far as you can to what you need. Mm -hmm. And then there's the customization part. Mm -hmm. What are the risks with customization? Well, one, it's time and dollars, right? It's uh, time and money because uh, you're giving up standard functionalities already there. There's got to be a good reason for you to, to go down that road, a business reason, that is. And, and I'm sure there, there, there always is. But the other problem that you're, you're, uh, you're taking with that is when you customize something, the next release of the software that the vendor gives to you doesn't contain that customization right. because it's your own, right? And uh, one, you're going to have to retest to make sure that your customization works with the next release. And number two, the vendor takes no responsibility for that piece that you developed yourself. Right. So if that is the a problem or it breaks the software, then you're on your own. So you need your own team to support, to understand, you know, and, and now one of the reasons why people do ERP, which is not to have that massive IT department that supports and understands the system, is You still to, need them. You still need them. Wow. And I think that's probably not as clear as people, people don't realize that up front, that that's the risk they take. So, so ex exactly. And one of the companies that I worked for, the and I, I really appreciated that, uh, the, the CEO said, I will have to approve every customer. He got it. He got that importance and that uh, risk and the cost that was going to come down from, from the, those decisions. And he said, I will have to approve every customization. So you, the business, will have to tell me why it is that you need that customization. 
and uh, and make sure you justify well enough because uh, you know you're, you this is going to go through a, a really strict uh, type of uh, criteria. Wow. So, what else do you need to make an implementation go well? So, I. I I like to think in terms of people, process, technology. So you need the right people, you need the right process, you need the right technology. You also need the right leadership. So let me quickly talk about all four of those things. So the right people are those that, um, uh, they're not too many, they're not too few, right? So you have the right amount of people. Too many people tend to discuss too much in um, analysis paralysis. Uh, too few people, they're overwhelmed and they can't get things done. Is there a sweet spot of the right number? I think it depends on the scope and the size of the company. I don't think there's a sweet spot. But uh, but smaller groups, larger than four or five people, I think they're not productive. So you need, even if your group of people is 50, you need to make sure your cells are not bigger than four and five because then things just don't go. And by four and five, and I'm, I'm including the, the functional people, the consultants, developers, if any, th right. that work on a specific cell. So, so people, quantity, and then equality, right? So uh, these are, they, they need to be very analytical, they need to be open to new ideas, but they need to be also subject matter experts of what it is that we do, because you need to combine the two. Uh, they can't be people that want to solve world hunger and want to solve all the problems, right? because then you're going to, that's the four-year project, right? So you need someone who's practical. Practical, and, and, and can see through the clouds and sort of get right on to the point. So, so there's a lot we can say about people. I'll just leave it here because I want to cover the other points too. So in terms of process, I'm talking tech, uh, methodology. So you need a sound, proven methodology. It's a serious, this has been done time and time for 25 years, right? So there's people out there that know how to do this. The vendor, the software vendor, should bring the, the methodology to you and tell it, because they're the, the experts. They should tell you, in order for you to do this, you need to take all the steps. That from that, you derive a uh, project plan. Now that project plan needs to be not only what the vendor is going to do, but also what you're going to do, what other parties are going to do, what the uh, change management team is going to do, the training and all of that. All of that needs to be in, uh, consolidated into one big methodology piece or plan piece. Wow, and then of course, once you have the methodology, you need someone who is a taskmaster to make sure that it is controlled and keeps moving. So that goes on the leadership uh, side of things. So you need a proper leader, has the respect in the organization, has done this before if possible. With, uh, understanding that that's those are easy, uh, not easy to find, that also has respect by the people and and the leadership qualities to get these people to to do things I guess at the right time and and right. It's not always easy to get people to do what you want them to do. Exactly, exactly. And uh, so the right leadership, I think, it's probably in terms of people, process, technology, and leadership. Leadership is number one, only because the proper leadership will, will make sure you have the, the other three checked. Right. Um, and just to cover the technology piece last, so by technology we talked about having the soft, softer vendor that has the proper architecture, has enough resources in the market that you can tap into if you need, has some sort of agreement with you that uh, you know they're gonna be at a table and they're there for the long run. Sometimes the CEO meeting the CEO, like your CEO meeting the CEO of the soft, is a good idea to have that relationship okay. established right on, from the start because you're going to need to escalate at some point, so you need that. Uh, so all of those things, I think, are critical success factors, people, process, technology, and the leadership. And under each one, there's a number of little uh, checks that I think you can look at. And if you don't have them, if, even if you're halfway through the project, you should consider rejiggling because, uh, you know, you're headed down to a wall and uh, and you need to make sure you get those those things in place. Right, so when you see that something's not going well, switch course immediately. Immediately. Don't wait, don't procrastinate, don't think that uh, this will get better. It won't, it won't only get worse. 
That's great advice. Uh, what about size of company? Can any company put in an ERP system or do you really, d does it make the most sense in large complicated organizations? No, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think size matters uh, when it comes to ERP. I think it's, this is really about uh, having the proper team with proper leadership and all of that. I've, I've seen success in large companies, small companies. I worked for SAP way back when and uh, this is prior to YTK and, and I remember SAP was trying to uh, reach out to the smaller business and someone said that they actually uh, sold to a new stand, sold SAP software to a new stand really? in Germany and to prove that uh, even a new stand can uh, can run uh, uh, enterprise software. Wow, that's, so that's hard to believe. obviously it's extreme, but <laughs> yes. uh, it, it, it drives the point that even a, you know, a large bank, a huge large bank can run it or a small company can run it. It's just about having the proper people, process, technology and leadership in my opinion. Great. Is there any last uh, tips for success that you'd like to leave our listeners with today? So I talked about leadership and I'll insist on that once again. You need to find the right person to run this project. That person is not an executive because they don't have the time and, and, and uh, I guess the, the level of attention to detail is necessary to, uh, to run every single little decision. So this would be a project manager? We've got Or a project director okay. uh, of some kind. And is that an internal person typically? It should be an internal person, in my opinion. Who knows the business. Who knows the business really well, has a respect from uh, the executive, respect from his peers or her peers, respect from the people here or she, uh, uh, the, their direct reports, um, uh, and hopefully has done some something like this before, because this is not for the faint of heart. You know, it needs a, a fair bit of uh, fortitude and and, uh, and, uh, and and working under ambiguity uh, terms and, 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 and things like that. So hopefully that. But if you don't have all of the, if the Goldilocks person is not there, yes. you can complement that. And, and I guess that's to answer your question. That's the last thing I, I would say. Make sure you find an expert out there. And there's plenty of th those people uh, that can come in and shore up uh, the leadership skills. Um, I think there's nothing wrong or there's nothing uh, shameful about for a leader to say, I need some help on Absolutely. this methodology, whatever, and I'm going to hire a person to either come here coach me on a regular basis or audit make and tell me if what things are wrong and need to be improved. And I think this is almost insurance insurance policy. Uh, I'm not trying to sell my services. That's not what I do. <laughs> I, uh, I run IT for a company. That's not what I do at all. But uh, having done this before and, and almost failed, and being able to turn around by hiring an expert, I can now tell from experience that this is a, a critical success factor. So it's not hard for people to find the experts out there? They're readily available in I, the market? I don't think so. You just need to find someone that uh, you can trust and uh, has done this before. Okay. That's great. Thank you so much uh, for helping us understand what ERP is and how you can successfully implement a new system in any kind of organization. It's my pleasure. I wish good luck to all of ERP uh, implementers out there.